Blog Talk Radio. Truthfully, 
Um, in fact, this might be a good way to start, is um, here in the Pacific Northwest, those of us listening over the lunch hour, we are about to enter rainy season. Here we often have seasonal depression, Mary, and I know in the U.K., mm. I've heard that the climate actually isn't all that different in some ways. People who've come from the U.K. have told me that sometimes, but here especially, there can be a lot of clouds. I I personally love the rain. I, I see the green, the forest. You know, I can see the forest and I can see the clouds right now. I see both. But um, how can we enter into this time of year here and and find peace? Uh, well, it, it's a good question because um, I, I firmly believe that we can find peace if we're um, shown the right path and, you know, know some some tricks and some skills in in how to do that. But um, you're right. I think probably more people um, in the UK and um, Northern Europe especially do Mm -hmm. suffer from seasonal affective disorder because, you know, we have a lot of gray skies. We only have the occasional blue sky. And uh, some people even think that... um, the whole year round is our rainy season. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, yeah, I mean, English people are renowned uh, for talking about the weather, and uh, Uh it's true that everybody does. And so um, this week um, we do enter into our uh, autumn stroke winter season, and um, even though uh, England is a very small country, the further north you go, and especially in Scotland, it's dark for such a long time. Mm-hmm. It will start to go dark at um, sometimes 4 o'clock or 4.30 in the afternoon and only become light again at around 9 o'clock in the morning. And, yeah. of course, this lack of sunlight... Um, is the main cause of people suffering from SAD or SAD, seasonal affective disorder. And um, there are are things that will help, Um, certainly the sunlight and um, certainly going to warmer climates where the sun is there uh, a lot of the time. Um, I've been to the Caribbean and we go to the Canary Islands quite a lot and we go to Spain because I, I am a great believer in the sun being very, very healthy. Um, we have light boxes here, too, that um, some doctors will um, prescribe to people who suffer with um, SAD. Um, but they're, they're also treated with medication, which helps. But um, yeah. I think uh, there are a lot more coping strategies and uh, a lot of these are obviously in in my book. And so people mm-hmm. have quite a few things, quite a few different things that they can turn to, different techniques and, and therapies. So um, it, it, it doesn't have to be as bad as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm amazed by how much we really do have in common, because here too, in fact, even... Those people listening in Seattle, which is even farther north than here, and I've got some mm. Canadian listeners as well, I know. I mean, mm. even here, I'll tell you, Mary, it can start getting dark pretty early um, as we get towards yeah. December. I mean, it'll start getting dark between 4 and 4.30, and, and the sun doesn't come mm. up. Nine's a little late, but, but you know, but, yeah, eight, certainly. I mean, you're still. So, yeah. so it's a similar experience that we're having. And what I appreciate about your work is that you have given us some approachable skills to step through, that that we don't have to to suffer. There are Mm -hmm. just many things that can be in our toolbox um, that are approachable for us. Yes, absolutely. And everything that I've put in my book um, is quite, they're all quite easy to follow, and everyone can do them, Mm -hmm. everyone can learn them. I haven't put anything difficult in there um, at all, really. And um, um, it can be a sort of um, pick-and-mix therapy, if you like. Yes, yes. A little bit of yoga, a little bit of breathing, lots of relaxation, but exercises from NLP, uh, a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy that um, I just call it simply correct thinking Um, and and awareness as well. Awareness of 
all the, the symptoms and effects that we can suffer from stress and anxiety and, and depression. And sometimes just that awareness and understanding of a condition uh, is extremely helpful because people, once they know what to expect if they've been diagnosed with something, it, it sort of takes a lot of worry from them because they'll know they're not going crazy or they'll know that they can... Uh, overcome it by by using these certain techniques. Um, so, so yeah, the, 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 there are numerous things that people can do to help themselves, but unfortunately, uh, we're not taught many of these skills uh, from our parents or, or at school or, or college. Um, so that was one of the reasons I, I put them all together in one book. You know, I, I so appreciate that because it seems like so often we just stumble into these things. I mean, we may we may hear about them. It's like I mean, I'll I, I always use myself as a guinea pig for having this spiritual show, Mary. There are many mm-hmm. things I haven't applied in my own life. You know, I'm stepping through my own journey a step at a time and learning with of everybody course. in the audience and yoga. Of, of course, yoga, yeah. Mary. Yeah. I'd like to talk, you know, with you about that because I will tell you, you know, I didn't think I was coordinated enough to do yoga. All my life I thought, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I don't know if I could ever do yoga because you see these pictures. <laughs> and th- but when when I tried it, oh, my gosh, I mean, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And I'm totally a learner. I mean, I'm, I know many people mm-hmm. are for years. That's yoga. But mm-hmm. I'm really a beginner. And so... So maybe we can start there with with yoga and and breath those those areas. Yeah, certainly. And in fact, it's a very good place to start for me because in fact, it was yoga that sort of set me on my on my journey through my life, um, which has resulted in in what I've I've done in my career and and the book I've just uh, written. I suffered very, very badly with postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time, it, it just took me a very long time to to get over it. I don't know how I did. I don't know how I came through it. But the second time, with my second baby, um, it was really quite bad. And um, there, was, there was nothing except medication that, that the doctors could offer me. They actually wanted me to go into hospital, but I, I wasn't having any of that. Um, yeah. And so uh, a very good friend advised me to go to yoga. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know anything about yoga, really. Um, but uh, after some weeks, uh, I decided, well, I've got to do something. I can't stay like this forever. And, you know, Susan, I remember my very, very first yoga class. And it must have been in about 19... 19- 76, mm-hmm. 1977, and I remember it because everything that the yoga teacher said just made sense. In fact, I thought she was talking to me <laughs> rather than yes. the whole class. Yes. And um, it was it was a, a specific type of yoga, pranayama yoga. And so it it wasn't just the physical exercises or asanas, but it was breath control exercises. Mm -hmm. It was um, the simple philosophy, everyday type philosophy of yoga, uh, like living in the moment and doing one thing at a time, accepting and so on. And there was uh, meditation and there was relaxation. And every single aspect of yoga helped me so much it was incredible and and within weeks um i began to feel much better and i was going to two classes a week and within about three months i i, I felt that i you know i was really over it and um it was it was like a, a eureka moment really and i um i continued doing yoga i studied it for many years and then i trained to teach and then i I was teaching right up until I, I retired four years ago. Um, so, yes, yoga for me is the number one therapy. <laughs> I, I have to, to tell you, I find yoga to be so astonishing. I mean, sometimes you can hear things 
you know, for years, but you have to mm. experience them sometimes to really yeah. know. And uh, to me, it is so, if you have the right teacher, they don't make you, they're not going to injure you. I mean, they come to you where you are. I mean, you may have to, to push yourself. It's not that you just, mm. you know, lay back and do nothing, but, but they help. Mm. I mean, that's been my experience is that it, and, and the breathing part to me is amazing where, um, there are just certain ways of of breathing more openly that yeah. I never knew, and and these people have been developing. They should know. I mean, these these techniques have been developed for so many centuries, and and yet, well, yoga is I find it amazing. Years old. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, and and so I, I really you know, encourage listeners who are out there because um, I see that this show is is on the front page, which is great because I want it to reach out to people, really people like me. I mean, what I, I was an evangelical. I wasn't into or I was raised that way. I wasn't aware mm-hmm. of all these things, and I'm still learning, and I want people out there to learn that these things are so approachable mm-hmm. and the spiritual form really has helped me, too, where there's a quiet time at the end. That is just priceless Mm -hmm. to me in my yoga class that it's both physical, you know, there's some physical demands to it, but there's also a meditation Mm -hmm. aspect to my class that is very real and it's helpful. Mm, Absolutely. I I totally agree. I think it's... um it's very uh, strengthening as well because, uh, you know, I believe that where there is peace, there is strength. And yes. I went through a period, uh, as as indeed some of my classmates and then a lot of my students went through a time when we we eventually learned how to relax very, very deeply. And yes. what I found that it did was it released um, pent-up emotions or emotions that we'd push down because, you know, that's our subconscious way of um, of being able to, to survive certain things, you know, by, by pushing them down and not facing the reality of them. And uh, during deep relaxation, these are released uh, and we uh, can experience wonderful freedom, you know, once that we let go of all those negative, fearful emotions. And um, and that, in turn, I believe, gives you great strength. In fact, I remember uh, I'd been doing yoga for about six months, and someone said to me, mm-hmm. Mary, where are you getting all this strength from? <laughs> I just laughed, and I thought, oh, my goodness, <laughs> yes, because I used to feel so weak and pathetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, it, it is kind of amazing. I was telling my, well, not just kind of, I was telling my, my yoga teacher that even the simplest things get easier. I mean, it, it's, it really has an amazing effect in so many ways. You notice it even in the simplest of things, like if, you know, you're, you're cleaning in your home. Suddenly you notice mm-hmm. that it's just easier. I, everything yeah. is, is yeah. easier, and, I'm, and it happens pretty quickly which I find yeah. interesting. I actually had an experience where there was a break in my yoga. I, I'm such a beginner. I just couldn't tell you. know, when, when you say you remember yeah. your first yoga class, well, I certainly remember mine because it was within yeah. the last, I don't know, year and a half. But <laughs> I actually had a break where I didn't do it for a while. Um, mm. And then I came back to it just, just for, for personal re- It's been an interesting year. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and then I came back. And even mm-hmm. that, just rediscovering what it can do is amazing to me. So I hope that that's yeah. where we can start. We could probably spend a whole show talking about yoga because <laughs> it's just so I'm wonderful. Sure that we could um, and but I I really thought that we should probably um go back and you know, you talked about earlier awareness is very important of um, you know, maybe we should provide some definitions. Like, like, how do we know, for example, if we are depressed or if we are? You know, how do we identify that that our anxiety may be getting to a, an unmanageable level or a, a more? I don't want to use that word unmanageable, but a more challenging to manage level, or places where we really, really need to 
employing some of these coping strategies and beyond. Yes, um, I think that is a good place to start because uh, when I um, when I t- took um, or facilitated or um, delivered uh, courses. In the very first week, in the beginning, I always started with awareness and understanding because uh, you're right, you know, people just don't know what to expect. They don't know what the symptoms are. I mean, a lot of people do know when they're anxious. So, you know, that would be um, uh, heart racing and um, perspiring and not being able to breathe correctly and so on. And and, and, and people know when they're afraid yeah. or, or very, yeah. very nervous. But if the anxiety and the stress goes unchecked or unmanaged, unfortunately, it can lead to depression. And, it, and when that happens, the symptoms can be sort of, well, very different, actually. So you still may be having your symptoms of anxiety uh, and, and nervousness, but the, de- the symptoms of depression take it further. And so yeah. that anxiety uh, turns into wanting to escape from everything or avoid things because you might feel, well, I don't have the confidence anymore you know, to, to socialize or even to go out to work or even to go and do the shopping and so on. Yeah. And then one perceives oneself to, to, to be failing, uh, to be not succeeding in anything, not achieving any goals, not even wanting to do anything or go anywhere. Yeah. And then after that comes the, the hopelessness and the helplessness. And, you know, there are uh, quite a few different forms of um, depression. But if we're talking about situational depression um, or reactive depression, so this is when, you know, something really traumatic happens in someone's life or a bereavement or redundancy or the breakup of a relationship, then one can feel very, very sad, very, very low in mood. And of course, when one is feeling sad and low in mood, um, apathy follows and then nothing gets done. So you can't even perhaps be bothered to get out of bed or, or maybe not get dressed in the morning and just you know lie around the house all day. And it, that then becomes a vicious circle. Yeah. So you're thinking, well, what's happening to me? You know, this is terrible. Um, I want my life back. <laughs> and yeah. um, then you think, well, what can I do? I don't know what to do. And your family and friends may not know what to do either. And it's you have to have a lot of confidence to go and seek professional help, actually. Um, but that that is, is mostly uh, the answer, so that you can be pointed in the right direction. Yeah. Sorry, that was a very long answer. To no, it was an excellent. It was an excellent answer because it's very important for people to to recognize these things. And you know, you said at the outset that we know when we're anxious, but I know in your book you mm. talk about, and maybe we don't necessarily know what a panic mm. attack is, because I think sometimes people mm. may have a panic attack and not even realize. They've had a panic attack, you know, and and um, I know I can think of an example where I was assisting someone years and years ago who, you know, we didn't know what was going on. We thought maybe it was a heart attack. We didn't know. And yeah. it turned out, you Absolutely, know, they thought yeah. that this was a panic attack, which mm, kind of took mm. us by surprise. But yeah. um, so I think that's kind of an important area to to give people some understanding of what that is. Yes, um, certainly in in the groups I I held or when I was working on a one-to-one basis, when I explained what happens to us mentally, physically, emotionally, behaviorally, and so on, um, they they breathed a sigh of relief because, um, in fact, a lot of my patients had been taken to hospital thinking that they were having a heart attack only to be sent home. uh, Yes. Just 
being told, no, your, your heart is fine, there's nothing wrong with you, go home, which makes you feel worse in a way. Right. And, um, and so I, I take them through the whole physiology, so what happens when our fight-flight response or stress response switches on. And we go through all the many, many, many uh, physical symptoms. And, um, you know, often people will suffer something like um, a digestive upset um, indigestion, um, uh, constipation, heartburn, and so on, and they think, well, oh, I must be eating the wrong things, but actually they're not. It's because our digestive system actually slows down and sometimes comes to a full stop. And so a lot of people are relieved when I say to them, well, you you can easily overcome your you know your all your physical symptoms by managing your stress and your anxiety. And once they know that, um, it already makes them feel a lot better, that they're not so afraid, and then they're not so afraid of being afraid. Does that yeah. make sense? Oh, that it makes a lot of sense, and it's actually very appropriate for this show, because yeah. I will tell you, you know, this show, by the way, Mary, which but which reaches its fifth year next week, um, the completion oh, of its fifth year. Yeah, well, thank mm. you. But the thing is, is that's so interesting about it, Mary, is that I think that maybe when we started or when I started it, and it's really we because the guests and I together create this show, I feel, um, mm. there was this feeling of a different relationship with fear at the beginning, kind of a denial relationship. And then mm. more and more guests started coming on talking about, no, you know, you need to, it's okay to be afraid and then, then work with that, mm. see where it goes, you know, and, and as a catalyst and different. We've looked at all these different approaches to fear, and truthfully, my conclusion, and I don't have a conclusion, which is interesting, is that there are many ways of looking at fear, and it's not, mm. I, I know that, that we can, we can move through our fear, but that it can also be a gift to help teach us some things. And so, so when you speak of fear, it's very important. Yes, I, I, I totally agree. And indeed, it can be a catalyst. And certainly, you know, all the, the hundreds of people I've worked with uh, over my yeah. career, um, yeah. once they do overcome their stress, anxiety, fear, depression, you know, whatever, um, they they actually are, are so changed. Yes. They are better than they were before, and so that helps them to, to move forward. Um, very often changing direction in life because, you know, they, they've freed themselves of, of fear and anxiety, and therefore with with extra confidence and higher self-esteem, they can go on to achieve a lot, lot more. Yes. And yes. Oh, I, suppose I, 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 I understand something. that. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, I suppose I did the same thing because um, be- before I had my um, children and before my um, postnatal depressions, I sort of worked in, in administrative roles. Mm-hmm. But um, after training to teach yoga and um, and then teaching yoga for many years, it, it got me really, really interested in stress and um, and the the results or the outcomes of of stress and um, anxiety disorders and depression. And so it it made me want to learn more. So I did go on and, and I learned a lot more. Uh, you yeah. know, training in stress management and, and, and CBT and so on. And so I look back and I think, you know what, I'm really, really glad that I had all that anxiety and depression because uh-huh. it changed my life for the better. Yes. Well, I I certainly, I think many of us can relate because, um, and, and I know that, um, you know, earlier in my own life, I was a very anxious person, much more right. so. And I still, I mm. still work with it. But um, mm. I've joked on this show before that people who've known me through the years would say Susan has a show about fear, <laughs> you know, and laugh about it. Although they'd be nice about it, but they, they, they just, mm-hmm. um, you know, how strange because I was 
very anxious. And over the years, I I don't know, things have just come to me that have helped. And And I think now it's more conscious that I'm finding that that sometimes things come into your life and you don't even realize that this mm-hmm. is a very real teaching. Like yoga's just come to my life recently, but there have been mm-hmm. other teachings over the years. Um, I realized that getting outside, you know, that that created mm-hmm. tremendous joy for me, even in the past when I tended to be more anxious. All along, that was helping me, and now it's a totally conscious thing for me to get outside and walk and be mm-hmm. out in nature and appreciate it. That makes a huge yes. difference in my life right now. Yes, and and, and I can see that in, in your wonderful photographs at the moment <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> I share rather abundantly, but that's because I just enjoy that. That's actually part of yes. my practice is I enjoy sharing you know what i'm seeing in nature and observing and and so and and it helps and on a week like last week i started the show without i want to talk too long here but um i said that i actually consciously mary took a break last week i was still doing some other work but i realized you know i can slow this down right now and i did and it Mm -hmm. was the right decision and and you know i was out in nature and appreciating it and it it does matter it matters enormously, and, and not a lot of people may know this, but when when you do go through through adversity and difficulties in life, uh-huh. um, certainly in the yoga community, uh, and I was taught this um, right from the start, that you need to turn to nature. Yes. yes. In nature, there, there's such continuity, um, that, you know, there's, there's confidence that, night will follow day and uh, spring will follow winter and and so on and the leaves will fall off the trees and then they'll come back again a few months later and whether it's that I don't know but I feel that there's so much beauty in nature that it does give you peace of mind and it makes you you know feel that sort of joy in, in your heart and soul so nature is a great stress reliever for everyone. Yes. Oh, I feel that so much. And and I will say to the Northwest listeners, it has even given me a different relationship with the rain. Because now, mm-hmm. when it rains, and I'm prepared when I'm out there when it rains, you mm. know, but, but I love it. I love walking in the rain. Now, would I love walking in the rain if I'm going to a professional appointment and I'm going to walk a mile in the rain? No, but if I'm prepared (laughs) outside, you know, well, I guess if I had an umbrella or something, but if I'm just going for a walk out in nature to relax and it starts Mm. raining and I feel, Mm. you know, prepared for that, it's wonderful. It's one of the best things of this time of year. And so I I Mm. feel like, you know, this is why when I read books like yours, it's just sometimes there's these aha moments of like, oh, you know, Mm. that does work you know and and that you're just putting them all together and then so many new things as well that we can we can look at and put into motion in our lives absolutely and and just just one more comment on on the rain Um, Mm -hmm. when people moan here about the rain all the time i always say but you know none of us would be here if it didn't rain which is so true isn't it (laughs) Well, and what I often say out here and appreciate, and I know it's true in the U.K., I've never been to the U.K., sadly. I would love to go someday. But from what I've observed, you, just I, I've never been there, surprisingly. But I haven't traveled well, a lot. Well, you must come in the summer months. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose so. But what I was going to observe is how green it appears. I mean, look at the beautiful trees and the ferns and things that I see. That's what we have here. We have beautiful, beautiful greenery in the winter. And other places yeah. I travel here in the winter where it's colder, they turn brown in the winter. Here it's beginning to turn green. And that's the yeah. gift. That's the gift of the rain. It is. Uh, and um, I, I lived in, in the on the east coast of Canada for two years. And uh-huh. um, I was a at the uh, the color of the the trees in the fall, yeah. 
Yes. And we have a little bit of that here in England, and it is particularly beautiful now here. Um, the yeah. trees are, are, are beautiful colors, but, but in, in Canada, and, and I know, you know, the, the northeast of, of the USA, uh, they're just astounding, beautiful. Yes. I, yes. I, I need to go back there again sometime. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to live in the Midwest here where the colors were stunning, much like the East, um, as I yes. understand. I've lived several places in this country, but I haven't traveled very, I haven't traveled much beyond. But, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, truthfully, I'm like a lot of Americans who are who are listening, and yet, you know, we're very open to other places as well. Yeah. But um, the no, they're just there's so much beauty. Fall to me is a gorgeous time of year. Here we don't get as much of the vibrant colors um, that in yeah. some other parts of the country. But there's still, mm-hmm. I find beauty just in so many things, and and it's important to to get out there. And I know that you, in your what is very much a step by step guide, which I want to emphasize with the mm-hmm. listeners. You also talk about physical, um, getting, you know, physical activity. And it's it's really important. And for me, um, you know, those things that were easier for me to do, like suddenly I was walking in the summer, I was walking on a mm-hmm. five-mile trail, you know. And, wow. And it was, yeah, I know, well, maybe <laughs> close to between four and five. I never quite figured out how long it was, but it was amazingly long to me. And yet, because yeah. it was so beautiful, it was surprisingly effortless. And and a mile yeah. can go by incredibly quickly when mm-hmm. you're in beauty. And so when you're you know, enjoying it, yeah. Yes. So why don't we talk about? Because I know for many of us, there's this feeling of, you know, ugh, you know, I don't want to go to the gym, you know, or whatever. Mm. You know, there, there's some physical activity we we have trouble doing. And yet, what if we find those things that really work for us. Yes, I think if you're going to have physical activity, it needs to be something that you really enjoy. And yes. going to the gym for a lot of people, that, that you know, the first few times might be a novelty, but uh, the novelty can wear off. So, um, first of all, I, I, I will stress, as you just have done yourself, that physical activity is absolutely essential essential yes. if you suffer from anxiety and, and depression because um, exercise actually burns off the negative effects of stress. So, you know, when, when we're stressed or, or anxious, we have a lot of stress hormones um, floating around our bloodstream and um, we have a lot of adrenaline and um, in ancient times or primitive times, we would use up this adrenaline to flee the danger, whether it was an unfriendly tribe or a saber-toothed tiger. And uh, once we'd we'd fled and um, run away using a lot of energy or standing to fight, then our bodies would return to normal. So the stress hormones would dissipate and, and we would relax and take our time to recover and then we would be absolutely fine. So these days, because the stress is very often prolonged and continuous, we're not giving ourselves time to um, to relax and recover. And one of the very, very best things you can do next to relaxation is to exercise. So yes. it, it's almost like um, you are uh, going through the motions of fleeing the danger or fighting off the danger. And so once we rid ourselves of the stress hormones, we can actually reduce our stress, anxiety, and depression, especially if the depression has been caused uh, by uh, unmanaged uh, stress and great amount of, of pressure. So, yes, I think walking is actually the best thing um, to counteract anxiety, and um, as we've already talked about, you know, walking in nature w- w- would be yeah. um, a-, a lot more favourable. But it, it, you know, if, if there is somewhere lovely for you to go and walk, that's great. But even if you live in the city, get out there and walk around a few blocks and 
um, maybe start off slowly but then walk more briskly and slow down on your way back. But we, we need a, a bare minimum of 20 minutes of exercise almost every day. Um, we, you know, people are saying, oh, four or five times, but I like to say every day if you can. So if you don't want to go walking, you know, there's, there's uh, an awful lot of other things that you can do as well. You know, you, you don't even need to leave the house. You know, put on some um, music and, and dance to the music or just mm-hmm. walk around your house or your garden. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, you, you know, if you've got somewhere outside to exercise, maybe get a, a, a skipping rope. <laughs> uh, skipping is quite good fun as well. If you like cycling, that's a really uh, good form of exercise. And, of course, swimming. Swimming is fantastic because you exercise um, all all the muscles and um, organs and glands in your body. Um, So, yes, activity, activity, activity. (laughs) Yes. Um, Oh, I'm glad that you mentioned swimming. That that is a really good one. And so many people, I mean, certainly... Um, here in the U.S., there are a lot of places, you know, there may be a YMCA nearby or different mm-hmm. places. What I used to find with swimming, Mary, although, and I'm not, again, gosh, I'm just, I'm not a very good swimmer, honestly. I used to be afraid of the water, and I taught myself, mm-hmm. and I'm still learning in many ways and haven't mm-hmm. done this in a while, but something that I mm-hmm. feel was helpful for me is both the swimming, where you were exercising, you're right, everything, but then floating, mm. floating to mm. me is amazing. And that's yet another, oh, you know, if you can just float for a while, perhaps at the end of your swim, which is what, yeah. what I used to do, that to me, it almost felt, before I ever discovered it, like yoga in a way. There's something really yeah. special about floating. Absolutely. And and it, it's the perfect thing to do after swimming. You know, uh-huh. floating on top of the water is like a deep relaxation. And so yes. after, ex- after all exercise, uh, we, we need to rest uh, yes. in order to help the body return to normal. And so floating after swimming, yes, a fantastic idea. <laughs> yes, I think maybe it has to do with the surrender of floating. And certainly for someone like me who used to be very afraid of floating, I actually had a bad experience as a child where somebody intentionally oh. sunk me while I was learning oh. to float. And, mm. and you know, there you go. Actually, that could probably mm. launch into yet another area here while we, have, we still have time. What about those yeah. things where something traumatic, I just listed a very simple one for me, but something traumatic yeah. has happened to us. It could be very traumatic. It could be abuse. It could be... Something very, very traumatic. How, how do coping strategies help with that, Mary? Well, first of all, let me say that, that you are right. Um, everything that, that we do, even every thought that we have and every feeling that we have, come as a result of our beliefs or the way we've been programmed or, or conditioned as a child. So when something traumatic happens as a child, it will stay in there forever. And some people just learn, you know, how to overcome it um, automatically. We're all built in a different way. We, you know, we're all unique individuals, aren't we? Yeah. But for some, unfortunately, that trauma gets stuck. And I think I mentioned or touched on this earlier. Uh, with some emotions, we we push them down because they're 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 too scary to even think about, and so our our mind has a very clever way of of switching it off. But still, it lies there in the dark, and it can come out in in later life. And um, through throughout my experiences working in mental health. I'm afraid it was it was very sad to discover that probably yes that the majority of our patients who had serious mental health problems had had a traumatic experience as a child. Yes. Um, now you ask me how do we overcome that? Well, there are many ways, and cognitive behavioural therapy 
is one of them. And what it does is it, it helps us to become aware of our belief systems or our conditioning. And it helps us to challenge the belief. So say, for example, let's take your example, Susan, of, um, of having, having a trauma when you were learning yes. to, to swim. Yes. And it's very, very frightening. I can understand, you know, if you think you're going to drown, you think I you're going to die. I couldn't breathe. Yeah, yeah. I was, and it was a very crowded. There were actually two separate experiences that were traumatic, and that was it for me <laughs> with the water mm. after that. So, so yes. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I remember one, the, the, the pool, the worst one, the pool was very crowded, Mary, and I mm. went under, you know, and it was very mm. scary. I thought I would drown, and then I coughed. It was awful. You know how it is when you breathe yeah. in the water, and all knew yeah. I was very young. So I was, I think, six, six years old. Gosh, it, it must, yes. And, you know, when our lives are threatened, no matter how they're threatened, it could be illness mm-hmm. or accident or other people threatening us, it, it does have a, a massive effect on on the rest of our lives sometimes not always sometimes uh-huh. but we we have um a, a protective mechanism if you like and yes. these protective mechanisms uh, can very often work in in a negative way so it produces a phobia uh, or a great yes. fear in your case yes, it would be a great fear of water understandably yes. Yes. But if yes. if that memory has been Absolutely. pushed down so that you actually don't remember it, <laughs> you yeah. can have a phobia yeah. of water and not really know why. Uh-huh. So cognitive behavioral therapy, which is best done on a one-to-one basis, and in my book um, I've had to sort of generalize a lot but, but there's still a lot of information there that, that can help people to, to overcome their fears and, and, and how to regain confidence. Um, but, um, yeah, so going back to CBT, what it can do is it can help us to challenge those beliefs that no longer are appropriate in adulthood. So what what we could what or what you could think of if we if you don't mind me using you as an example, Please, well, go right ahead. Earlier, um, we could say, well, um, you know, is is that happening now? No, uh, it happened a long time ago. So uh-huh. is the past in in the present? No, it isn't. And so there's you know many years that, that have gone by, uh, and now in the present moment. Uh, there is no fear because that is not happening now. And, right. um, you know, we we would point out perhaps that um, uh, a very large percentage of the population uh, can go swimming without having any fear. And right. I would ask you, how can you think about this in a different way? And who are you today? What have you achieved in your life? And, and perhaps I'd, I'd ask you to name everything that you'd, you'd been successful with to mm-hmm. to help build your awareness that you are actually a very confident person now. I mean, look at you. You run a radio show. <laughs> you know, that's very admirable. <laughs> you know, I think, oh, my goodness, how oh, do you do you. it? <laughs> and I can be brutally honest about my own experiences, <laughs> which which becomes easier, it seems. But, but yes. And, you know, I'll tell you, I mean, in, because I know there are other and people Susan, who are I'm dealing. I'm still overcoming it. Oh, you are? Okay, I'll switch lines. Hold on. Hold on. Is, Is this better, better Mary? Um, I can hear you a little better, yes. Okay, okay we've got, got an echo going. Hold on. We just kind of lost one of the lines. Here we go. I think I got rid of the echo. Can you hear me now? That's better, yes. Thank you. Every once in a while that happens. I went to my show, but I'm prepared. <laughs> Maybe that's a coping strategy because I've had the line go down before, so I have the cell always ready just in case. Oh, that, um, that's great. Oh, good. Well, it'll be a little bit. So yeah, here, hold on. Let me just fix one more thing.
Okay, dynamically fixing something here. But this is, you can hear me all right then? Yes, that's fine. Thank you, Susan. Oh, good. Oh, good. But what I was about to say or was saying is that for me, and this is true, again, I want to generalize to the audience listening because I know that we all have things we're still working with. What I said originally with the swimming thing is I haven't gone in a while. This is true. It's still Mm -hmm. something that I know I'm working with. In my mind, I thought, you know, it's still something I'm working with and that I'll need to get back in the water yet again because it can recur. It's like the longer that I don't go, I'm a little more uncomfortable again, and it's still in progress. It may be a lifelong work with me to become fully comfortable in the water. And so I wanted to mention that, that I'm actively working with it still. And even avoiding And, and you're doing absolutely the right thing. We all need to face our fears in order to overcome them. If we uh-huh. avoid them and try and escape from them, um, it, does, it just doesn't work and it will never get any better. But right. by you know, gradually exposing yourself to whatever the problem or the difficulty or the fear is, then you will build up confidence every time you do that. So whether it's with swimming or public speaking or going shopping, socializing, whatever it is, you need to be working on it uh, on a very, very regular basis. But what I teach in my book is that along with other coping strategies such as um, specific breathing exercises for anxiety and using one or two confidence-building exercises whilst you're facing that fear, Uh, then you have a much, much better chance of overcoming it quickly. Yes, yes. I I think that, um, again, um, it's broadly applicable to so many things. And I think the other thing that I have found is when I've been in a state of, you know, really working with it actively, there's real joy and I'll never forget the fr- I probably value floating, Mary, more than just about mm-hmm. anyone on this planet. <laughs> just because it's so amazing. It's like yoga to me, but it's just, it, it's a form of surrender. I mean, to surrender to the water like that yeah. Yeah. is, um, it, and, and so, and, and I think that maybe others, maybe don't as much as because they've done it all their lives or whatever, but there's something symbolic in that, I feel. And so I've been able to discover a source of real joy in that way that, that through working through that fear. Well, I think that's really good because I think you, your, your floating idea is your comfort blanket. Does that make sense? You know, yeah. You know how people sometimes hold a crystal in their hand or they, well, in fact, I was talking about the breathing exercises. And, you know, so having something that will um, make you feel more confident. So I think if, again, with your example, if you're swimming and you become uh, too anxious about it, all you have to do is roll over onto your back and float. Right, right. And, <laughs> you know, and the other thing... And we thing, can use that which, metaphorically as well. <laughs> We can, and I was just going to say metaphorically, and this is so perfect because as the, the hour has gone by so fast. You're yet another guest, Mary, that we could talk for so long. But having the right teacher, having someone to help you, to, to assist you, because that's how I got in the water to begin with many, yeah. many years ago, is is really important. And and I think that, you know, you, Mary, are here for for people in so many ways through your book and through your counseling and your coaching. And, you know, as we head into the last um, few minutes of the program, um, mm-hmm. I wonder if you could, could speak to that a little bit, how how you are assisting people today in addition to your book as well. Well, as a matter of fact, I, I, I retired four years ago from my practices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. So- I um, I'm in my late fifties now. I'm do sorry. You teach, do you do workshops at all at times, or are you no, mostly not. just sharing your techniques then? I I I I am at the moment um, doing uh, talks, but um, uh-huh. but that's all really. Um, 
Well, yes, I hope so. But I took time off to write my book and uh-huh. uh, because I thought it was very, very important for me to do that, you know, to get it all down on in writing to help people to get their lives back. And um, I feel that, you know, that's what I've done now and I'm, I'm coming to this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, that's a... That's a form of guidance that's invaluable, Mary, in that you know you've basically encapsulated all of your wisdom, which you know spans over thirty years i do do you realize that in your book and so um yeah and and I'm happy that you're giving workshops as well at times or that's very helpful as well and um yeah so but uh, I really thought I, I had to get everything I knew, you know, down on paper so that I think, you know, if if the book sells, then then I'll be helping just as many people. Um, you, as are. I, you are. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. You certainly, you certainly are, and and I'm sure Good. that, um, you know, by reading your book, people will find a teacher that that is working out there that a counselor if they need to or just so many yes. different alternative therapies and it's as simple yes. as, as even finding the yoga studio down the street that maybe meets your needs in a in a spiritual way and exploring that as well so yes absolutely and if they can't find a teacher or a counselor then my book is is enough if they if they follow everything to yes. um, to help them overcome their problems. Yes, yes, very, very much so, very much so. So let me tell you, Mary, I am just so thankful to have had you here today, and I, I feel like we, we really only brushed the surface. Just such a, such an honest exploration. Just, just <laughs> we hit upon many important points in the process, and I'm just so thankful you were here today. Well, I'm very grateful for you having me on on your show. Thank you so much. I can't believe it's an hour already. It feels like about twenty <laughs> minutes. <laughs> well, it it just you know I I I always hope, Mary, that these conversations feel broadly applicable because that's that's my goal is to to let the audience know we're all having a journey and you know just yeah. just. People having radio shows don't necessarily have all the answers, or nor do the guests. But we're all, well, of you course. know, exploring <laughs> them together. And you have such a wealth of things to share. And and um, I appreciate you being here in this 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 hour of of authentic sharing. I I just so appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, me too, and thank you very very much, Susan. All right. Well, we'll take care, Mary, and have a nice evening where you are. Um, yes, I will. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. Take care. And I look forward to seeing more photos. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I'm happy to have you as a Facebook friend, so thank you so much. Uh, okay. Take care. Thank you, Su- thank you, Susan. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, just a to show note um, that it is true this is almost the completion of the fifth year of the show and so the next show now I'm trying to see where I wrote this down is Monday October 26th which is indeed the fifth anniversary of the show that show is going to be at exactly the time when I did the first show which was 11 a.m. Pacific 2 p.m. Eastern and I'm just going to do a, a relaxed show. In fact, I will probably um, do what I've done in the past, is revisit 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter in the Bible, which I do periodically. And it seems like every time I explore it, I find something new. Because that's what I did um, on the first show, is I just got on the air and started exploring honestly what unconditional love um felt like to me and that has evolved over the years so join me if um, on monday october 26th for the next show then after that i have a rather um, lively and at times 
a controversial guest, although we're going to talk very much about his work with the Twilight Brigade, a near-death experiencer, Daniel Brinkley, who is very well-known, a New York Times best-selling author, um, very popular, and we are going to talk about how he is helping veterans with transitioning. And that will be Wednesday, October 28th at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And Daniel has actually been recognized presidential award. Um, he's, he's really done a great deal with veterans to help them um, with transitioning at the end of their lives and to help their, their loved ones as well. He has quite a remarkable organization that has come around. And, yes, he's a very lively personality. Everybody who's heard Daniel knows that, and I'm sure sure he will be uh, on that show as well. And, you know, really as we enter into what will be the sixth year of the show, I'm reminded of the, the true charter of this program is where we can all come together and talk. And, you know, I always think about ways that, that going forward it can become even more expansive. You know, people from different points of view coming to talk together to see where we can find common ground. And I hope in the coming year that will happen more on the show so that so that we can all begin to to find those places where we meet. And a lot of times it's somewhere in the domain of love, unconditional love. Um, often on our spiritual paths, we can find that place because I surely am a great believer in omnipresent love, which is what I was taught about when I was a child. And my relationship with what that actually is has evolved over the years. And perhaps at first I didn't completely understand just how much we truly are loved, and I think we spend our whole lives exploring that. But we can find places where we can meet on the bridge with other people that can change us all, change us all, change this world, so that that we can find a place of much more peace and mutual understanding. And so if I have any wishes and goals for this show in the coming year, and you can learn about this show on FrontierBeyondFear.com. That's where all the future shows and the entire archive is available. If I have any dreams for the show going forward, it's really continuing to explore the very first dream I had for this show, is that it may be a bridge, a bridge of finding more understanding And as we do that, we find more peace with ourselves and with one another. So with that said, I will wrap up another episode. I see that very quickly the live show went, um, and usually I do say goodbye to the live listeners, didn't have a chance today, but those of you who've been with us in the podcast all along, I always welcome your energy across time. You're with us. In this moment, you're with all the guests. Um, you know, we are all a community together listening to this show no matter when you happen to be coming across it. So thank you again very much. Go to FrontierBeyondFear.com for more. Also ways to support the show if you feel so guided as this is a listener-supported endeavor um, and really a joyous endeavor from my heart. Take care, everyone. See you next time. Mm-hmm.